news and interviews from across the world and right here in the central Susquehanna Valley. This is WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Now that's classic rock and roll music. That's uh, Sticks. You can tell Rob Center is doing the bumper music. Sounds fabulous. Thank you, sir. Rob Center takes fabulous care of us on every possible occasion. For that, we're quite uh, grateful. We have in the studio right now movie Mike McGranahan. He's a professional movie critic. We invite you to do what I've done on many occasions. Right before you watch a movie, go to aisleseat.com and check it out. He's a member of the Critics' Choice Association, prolific tweeter, at aisleseat. And his appearance is always sponsored by the Campus Theater, campustheater.org. Welcome aboard, sir. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Always fun to be here. Well, I'm not a huge fan. I think this is a Disney movie, Cruella. Yes. Right? Okay. Not a huge fan of all of the films, but this one sounds fascinating. <laughs> I don't know. Cruella, what did you think? There are two things I'm allergic to when it comes to movies. One is Disney turning its animated properties into live-action films, and the other is origin stories designed to make us empathize with great villains. Because of those allergies, Cruella pretty much had two strikes against it going in. Nevertheless, it kind of won me over, thanks to the performances of the two stars, some appealing weirdness, and, thankfully, a lack of murdering dogs. Emma Stone plays Cruella, a young woman who has suppressed her wild side so that she can pursue her dream of becoming a fashion designer. She gets a job working for a fashion legend played by Emma Thompson. After discovering that her demanding boss is responsible for a tragedy from her past, Cruella unleashes the wildness again in order to exact revenge. The movie's best scenes find Stone and Thompson going head-to-head. Both actresses are outstanding here, tough and fierce and darkly funny. I also like the edgy tone Cruella takes. This is not a movie for young children. Because it's about two mean people, it does have some wonderfully weird, nasty scenes as the women try to foil each other. The story is a little slow to start, and 135 minutes is way too long for this sort of thing. Thanks to the work of the two Emmas, though, Cruella is still more fun than I expected. On a scale of 1 to 4, I give it 3 pongos. Two and a half hours? Uh, It's uh, 2 hours and 15 minutes, yeah. Well, that's crazy. It's too long. This Uh, would have been much better at like an hour and 40 minutes. uh Uh, The the opening goes on forever. It really takes a while to kick into gear. Once it does, it's fun, but they could have tightened this movie up and made it a a, more manageable running time. I think that this is going to probably bore younger children. It's PG-13. Parents need to realize you should not take a 6- or 7-year-old to see this. They're going to be bored. It's very story-oriented. It's kind of complex and dark at times, Uh, and it's also too long. Younger kids are going to be fidgeting in their seats, but older kids, I think, will be able to take it and they'll enjoy it. 10, 11, 12, 13, that range. Yeah, around in there. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked to hear how long, long it is. Um, well, and and I think this has been underscored lately. There are, There's some other movies you've talked about in the past year that were just exceedingly too long. They were over two hours and didn't need to be. You know, none come to my mind. Maybe one would pop into mm-hmm. your head. Uh, well, I always think the Fast and Furious movies are too long. They've started running about two and a half hours, and that includes F9, the one coming out in uh, another month or so that purportedly runs almost two and a half hours. So I don't think some of these movies need to be that long. Roger Ebert used to say that no good movie is too long and no bad movie is too short. And I agree with that. But I think sometimes these movies just are needlessly stretched out to this epic length. Okay, so so much for the length. There's a movie that length is, is a strike against it. Plus, it had that sort of that foundational thing that you don't always love in movies. Uh, but this sucked you right in. Yeah, it really works, and it works because of the performances. The the two actresses are very very good together, and the way they interact is funny. Uh, the movie. 
movie was directed by Craig Gillespie, who did a movie a few years ago that was on my 10 best list called I, Tanya, which is the one about Tanya Harding. And he gives this movie a really interesting style. He's not afraid to give it some edges. I really, I expected a sanitized version of the Cruella DeVille story from this movie because it's Disney and they tend to make everything kind of whitewashed. But this movie is kind of dark and has some edges to it. And I really like that. And these actresses pull it, raise it up still further. Oh, absolutely. They're both terrific in this movie. And Emma Thompson really, if she's not my favorite actress, she's certainly in the top five. Uh, she is so good in this movie, playing a character who's just casually dismissive of everybody else and very cruel and, and heartless. And it's really interesting to see these characters because Cruella, we're supposed to empathize with her, but at the same time, she's not entirely likable either. So we see these two women being really mean to each other, and it, it does pull you in. Okay. So, and, and so, okay. And you gave it? Three Pongos. Pongo was the, uh, in 101 Dalmatians, he was the... The puppy, right? The main Dalmatian, yes. Okay, all right. And I, I should add that this I movie stops short of, of explaining how she turns into this lunatic who wants to kill dogs <laughs> to mm. make a coat. Uh, the movie, I think, is kind of allowing the opportunity for sequels here. Or so, prequels in that case. Yeah, so I, I think that what they're really doing here is kind of stopping short of getting her to the Cruella DeVille we all know from 101 Dalmatians. And so this would be a... Uh, so this leaves the door wide open for a successful Disney franchise? Potentially, yes. Okay. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that, Cruella. Uh, three Pongos from <laughs> Movie Mike. And that's at the theater? That is in theaters, or if you have Disney+, Plus, you can pay the $30 premium and watch it at home. So if you've already paid for your cable, and then you pay for Disney Plus, which you pay for all the time, then you pay an additional thirty dollars. Right, right. I think we'll go to the theaters. It's, <laughs> it's not often theaters the cheap way out, but right. Uh, In this case, it probably is. And our local AMC theater is open on weekends. Yes. And look for more weekdays to get added as summer progresses too. So we'll look forward to that at the actual theater. All right. Uh, Amazon buys MGM. I am just mm -hmm. fascinated because you. Uh, it, on initial glance, for somebody like me, it would fail the who cares test. But the more I think about this, I, I just think that uh, really entertainment uh, industry just took a big pivot. It really did. Amazon purchased MGM, the studio that's been around forever, for $8.45 billion. And this gives them access to MGM's vast library of films, but also everything that they currently have in the pipeline. So a lot of those movies could bypass theaters and go right to Amazon Prime, which they're trying to drive subscribers to. Now, the exception here is the James Bond movies. Of course, we have uh, No Time to Die coming up later this year, and the producers of that movie have insisted that it continue to play in theaters and get the traditional release, which Amazon has agreed to. But beyond that, MGM's movies, uh, past and present future, are probably going to end up on Amazon Prime. So that's kind of a major game changer there. Well, could we not see the sort of the HBO Plus plus theater Compromise, if you want to call it that, where you see it in theaters, but it's also available on that cable channel if you have it? Yeah, uh, it's possible, but Amazon has not gone that route yet, so... Um, they have it, no connection to theaters at all, right? Right, although there has been talk of Amazon potentially buying AMC, uh, should AMC not make it through the financial woes that they've been going through in the past year. So Amazon, at some point, might potentially buy a theater chain, and then they might go that process of, uh, you know, putting 
putting it in theaters and on Prime at the same time. We'll have to wait and see. But Amazon really, obviously, looking to be a major player in the film distribution game. So what does this mean for uh, people who make movies, for movies that aren't yet in the pipeline, Mm -hmm. per se, to have Amazon doing this? It's a hard call, because on the one hand, if they want a theatrical release, they may want to avoid MGM. Uh, On the other hand, if they want their movies seen as widely as possible, as fast as possible, they might want to go that route. So, you know, especially for smaller films that would have trouble playing against the Cruellas and the Quiet Place 2s and, you know, the big blockbusters, that might be a boon for them. They can go on Amazon Prime and be available to a global audience with the push of a button. And how will this... I understand how, of course, MGM is a profitable company, so... Owning them makes, you know, that would turn a profit. But why will this turn, how could this turn into a real home run for Amazon? How, mm-hmm. you know, how will they sell more groceries or more electronics if, if they yeah. have MGM? Well, it, it just pulls people to Amazon. It pulls in more Prime subscribers. And then once you subscribe to Prime, you have access to the free shipping and all the deals and stuff like that. So I think they definitely see it as a way of drawing more people to that service. So if you haven't decided that you either love or hate Amazon yet, now is your time to stake a claim and and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And as a critic, are you worried? Does this bother you? Um, I think it's just another step in the direction that we're going anyway, which is that eventually movie theaters will play the big blockbusters, the franchise films, and anything that's smaller or more character-driven will go to streaming services. We're already kind of seeing that sort of thing happen, and I think that's just going to continue. Okay. Well, and this will be interesting, because now Amazon has some great uh, titles uh, already in their, uh, you know, in their fold and coming up. Uh, Netflix already has big titles, but Amazon, you can't really say, oh, Amazon owns X you know at the moment and it's you know really just a super household name film they don't really have anything like that they got a lot of good stuff at Amazon but mm-hmm. um, nothing that's really always always talked about uh, by everybody all right John Cena made the news this week he called mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan, a country, right? <laughs> yeah, John Cena apologized to Chinese fans after f- referring to Taiwan as a country while promoting his new film F9. The actor even went so far as to issue his statement in Mandarin. He apologized after remarking that, quote, Taiwan is the first country that can watch F9, end quote, during an interview with a Taiwanese broadcaster. In fact, Taiwan is self-governed, but China claims it as a sovereign territory. So uh, that really did not go over so well with China. But here's why this is important. You know, that may sound like, who cares? Right. China is a major force in the global box office. We always talk about the billion-dollar club. The studios want to make those movies that gross a billion dollars around the world. You can't do that without China. And so John Cena is starring in this big blockbuster movie, F9, that needs to hit that billion-dollar club, and they need China's business. So this was a major faux pas in that sense. He had to apologize because if he irritated the Chinese fans, uh, you know, or, or upset them, they might not go see the movie. So this is really damage control, more about business, I would suspect, than about John Cena sincerely. I'm not doubting his sincerity, but you know, I don't think it, he's apologizing because he really felt bad about well, it. I think it's about f- the bottom line. It's not a flagrant gaffe. I mean, right. it didn't hurt anybody or right. something or right. run over somebody on the road and take off or something like that. But I see what you're saying. You know, to not understand that aspect of your audience is no huge fault, particularly since he 
he's focusing on acting all the time. But uh, it, it, it has a multi-million dollar impact if you don't play this out correctly. Absolutely. So okay. d- definitely a case of damage control. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I, I saw your tweet, and then I never really, I didn't click on it, so I'm not quite, I wasn't sure of the implication. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right, certainly good news for folks who love the Willy Wonka franchise, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, the series. A prequel is coming out. Yeah, a prequel uh, starring Timothy Chalamet. He'll play Willy Wonka, and it's about everything that happens before Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Normally, I'd be skeptical about that for the same reason I was a little skeptical about Cruella, but this is being written and directed by the people who made the Paddington movies, which are great, so I'm oh. hopeful that this one will be fun, too. Right. Highly popular and moneymakers. Yes. So. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Movie Mike. Movie Mike McGranahan. We'll see you at the movies, and uh, we invite you to patronize your sponsor, the Campus Theater, campustheater.org.